Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode number 48. I'm your host, Derek Moore, and today we're going to be talking about why covered calls may not be the hedge you're looking for. And recently, uh, I was talking to somebody and they had watched uh, a video online or saw something on the internet and said uh, that selling covered calls is a great way to hedge downside moves in the market, and especially with the market at all-time highs, why not sell covered calls? Now, what I'll say is there is a place for selling covered calls, but it's actually more involved than people think. And so covered calls generally, uh, just, you know, and this isn't sort of an options, uh, uh, if you don't know anything about options, uh, you know, brush up a little bit first, but covered calls generally is where you've got shares of stock, and usually in, in increments of 100 shares, and you say, okay, uh, my stock's trading at uh, you know $50, and I'm okay if I lose the stock. So let's say I, I want to sell the $60 call, and my price is capped, so it can't go above 60 and, and when I sell that covered call, I bring in a little bit of premium. And so the idea of a covered call, it's covered because you own the shares. So you have shares, you sell a call against those shares, you bring in a little bit of premium. But this is not, I mean, selling covered calls is not a, in my opinion, an ideal hedge, a really robust hedge, like using buffers or putting floors in, uh, using other strategies. And so, you know, sure, you bring in a little bit of premium, uh, use the stock as collateral, it can get called away. The premium you bring in, some people debate, is it income, is it not income? Because, you know, when you sell a, a covered call, you sell it at uh, at a certain price, and when it goes to zero, it creates a capital gain. But let's just say, I think it's, you can consider it generating income, an income uh, strategy. And again, the upside is capped. So why isn't it a great hedge? There's a couple things here. Number one is that Let's take a look at an example. Let's say you owned uh, SPY, the S&P 500 ETF. And let's say you own these shares and you said, oh, I want to hedge the downside. So I should sell covered calls. Let's look at a couple of examples. So the S&P right now is trading a little bit over uh, 3,050. Yes, it's made uh, closes there today. It'll make another new all-time high. And that means the SPY, the ETF that tracks the S&P 500, uh, but actually pays dividends, that's uh, one-tenth the value generally. So it's trading a little bit above $305 today. So let's say you wanted to go out and generate some income and sell some covered calls. Uh, And you can either do it for, let's say, you you could sell one that expires next week. You could sell one that expires Uh, in over two years, but let's use a couple of examples here. Let's say you went out to January of 2020. Uh, So as we're recording this, it's the first day of November. So that's roughly, you know, there's one uh, right around January 20th. That's about two and a half months. So you go out, you own your 100 shares, and you say, I want to hedge the downside. I'm using hedge the downside in air quotes right now because I'm going to show you how this really doesn't hedge the downside by very much. So let's say that uh, you want to go out and you want to sell, uh, you want to bring in a dollar of premium. 
And we say a dollar, that means for every 100 shares, you bring in 100 bucks. You would have to sell the 320 strike as a, the market is today. And that's about a 5% above the market currently. And that dollar would represent 0. 0.003. So in other words, three-tenths of 1% of income. And of course, that's not annualized. You'd really have to annualize it. But just to give you an idea. And so what would that do for you? Well, let's say the market went down 50%, like in 2008. Uh, and it's, it's trading at 305. So 50% would imply it would go down to about, what's that, about 107.50, if my math is correct. Um, sorry, one, one, 150, yes, yeah, 152.50, sorry. I think my, my math was wrong there. Well, guess what? Bringing in that, that $1 would only reduce your downside by one point. So really wouldn't give you much downside protection, only very, very minimal. And so you might say, well, wait a second. Uh, You know, I brought in that dollar. It did reduce the downside, sure, but only did it by a dollar. And guess what? You capped the upside at 5% up. And sure, there's tactics to roll these, to to roll them further out, uh, but this starts to get a little bit more involved. Uh, If you said, look, I don't want to be capped at 5%. I'd rather have it more like 8% or 9%. Well, let's take a look at the 330 strike. Those you only get 25 cents. And so you're only reducing your downside by one quarter of a point. So not, not really a robust hedge uh, like some others, you know, buffers and, and floors uh, would, would do for a portfolio. And then you say, wait a second. Well, January is a little bit close. What if I went out a year from now and we use that same, let's say, 330? Now, I would say that is there a chance that the market goes up more than 8% the next year? Sure, there's a chance it goes down as well. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But when we look at, let's say, the, uh, the November 2020, that actually has a premium of $7. And you might be saying, okay, that is more interesting but what does that really mean? Well, first, we deal with, uh, with probabilities. And, you know, there's, there's something like a 25 to 30% chance that the market will, uh, will be at that level in uh, November of 2020, just kind of looking at the, uh, uh, you know, the probabilities. But that $7 represents 2.3% of the current price. And so you might say, okay, well, what have I done if I sell the the 2020? Is that really generating protection? Well, it buffers you on the first 2.3% down. Um, And since we're basically a little bit over a year, you know, no need to annualize that. But that's all you're you're really taking off in this instance. I mean, sure, we can find other stocks that have higher volatility and might bring in more, uh, more of a premium. But you're really not protecting the downside. You're really not putting on a robust hedge. You're bringing in a little bit of income, uh, you know. But you know, it's it's still pretty tight. I mean, uh, 
that means the market can only go up 8.2% over the next year, and then you're capped on that. So the point of bringing up these, these examples is simply that a lot of people sometimes falsely, and this is in my opinion, uh, believe that selling covered calls is actually hedging. But you can kind of see that covered calls is really only hedging a very, very small amount of the downside. And yes, it does bring in income. It does cap the upside. And there is a place for, for selling calls. I mean, we, we have several rules for when it's appropriate to sell a covered call. Uh, there's a lot of calculations that go into it, and there's a lot of management that goes into it, especially if the covered call, if the stock starts to move towards the covered call, there's decisions you have to make. And this is an, you know, especially uh, critically important if we're hedging, let's say, a concentrated position with a low cost basis where they don't want to sell because they, they'd owe uh, you know, a ton of taxes. The other thing I'll tell you, too, about uh, selling covered calls, there's this what they call you know black swan events or black swan risk, and that's where some unknown thing comes out into the market and causes an outside down year or down day, you know, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, I actually re- refer to some of the risk of the upside of selling covered calls and being capped is white swan volatility. In other words, the market generally is up. It's up uh, probably, I think, three out of four years or even more. Um, just looking back, I've got a chart in front of me, and uh, it goes back to 1980. We've got one, two, three, uh, really seven, eight, maybe only about nine years. And going back to 80 is you know almost 40 years now. And then if you look at the up years of the market, there are some years we're up 34% year to date, up 21%, up 30%, up 26%. Sure, not every year is up like that. And we've had really bad years like uh, you know 2008, where it was down 38% rounded. Uh, you had the, the dot-com era where you had negative 10, negative 13, negative 23, actually. But a lot of times, um, you know, just looking at this 39-year chart, 29 of 39 years, you had the markets up. And so selling covered calls sometimes can cause you to miss out on a nice up year. And it's really important to take advantage of those, those robust outsized upside returns when you can. So I just bring that up because you know, selling covered calls uh, seems like a really good idea, but it's, it's, and it's something that many option traders or investors, it's one of the first things they learn because they're like, oh, okay, I have my, my shares. All I need to do is sell a covered call. If they take the shares, okay, well, it went up anyway. And if they don't take the shares, I can do it again. But there's just, it's a little more involved than, than you might think. And certainly as we saw if you have a serious downside move, the small amount of premium that you're generating really isn't going to uh, take away a material amount of the downside. And if you start selling calls really close to the current market because you're like, okay, I want to bring in more premium, uh, then you your likelihood of getting called away or being capped is is much greater. And so uh, cover calls are fine. They have their place. Uh, certainly that's... Uh, uh, they have your place for investors, and there's a lot of good things you can do with covered calls. And one of the things I point out too is, you know, if you're searching online and you're looking for, uh, 
you start reading about covered calls or collar strategies as hedges, the markets have changed. And the markets have changed because interest rates have gone so low. And so one of the things that's sort of forgotten about the markets is the idea of how interest rates can affect option prices. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, And I mentioned the collar strategy. So a collar strategy was popular when interest rates were much higher um, because you could sell calls for more money and then use the, the premium that you brought in from the covered calls to then go ahead and buy puts below the market. And it was a little bit more even uh, although not, you know, puts generally, especially since 87, they've had that, that skew where uh, there's much higher premiums on the put side because of the most people are hedging. Most people are along the market and they're hedging. But let's talk about interest rates. So right now, interest rates are very low. We know the Federal Reserve just lowered them across Europe, uh, Japan. We've got negative rates. And here's why this is really important. One of the forgotten Greeks, so we've got the Delta, Gamma, Theta, Vega, and then Rho, although Vega is not technically a Greek term, I don't think. But Rho deals with, for every 100 basis point move up or down, in other words, in every for every 1% change in interest rates up or down, what should happen to an options premium? Calls, when interest rates go up, they help call premiums. Call pr- premiums go up. When interest rates go up, put premiums go down. And the reason why that is, it gets into sort of the cost of carry. The cost of carry is, uh, you know, you're buying, let's say, an option, but then you have cash uh, that's theoretically earning a rate of interest. Um, It gets a little bit more involved. But to give you sort of an example, we use that November 2020 uh, 330 strike call example. And by the way, you know, the, these are just, I'm, I'm putting these, these strikes out there because it's just an, an example. I really haven't put a lot of thought into whether these are good strikes or bad strikes. So, you know, don't go out and write options or buy options on these. But that 2023-30 call, um, its row is $0.87. Cents. Okay, so what, what does that mean? Well, all the Greeks measure what will happen to an options premium based upon something, a change in volatility, a day passing, meaning time decay, the stock moving up or down. Um, and then row deals with what would, an, uh, what would a premium change? What would be the change to the premium when interest rates change? So if interest rates went up 1% today, we would say that you would expect $0.87 cents to get put onto that that option. So if it was $7, all else equal, and it never is, uh, because everything's always changing, volatility and days and everything like that, but all else equal, you would expect that premium to go from $7 to $7.87. And likewise, if interest rates went down 100 basis points or 1%, you would expect that uh, premium, the $7, then to go down to $6 and, uh, what is that, $0.13. Cents. So I bring this up because you can quickly see that you know, when you have interest rates that are now less than 2%, but at one point, uh, you know, right before 2007, I think, interest rates in just the simple money market were above 5% for a while. So I bring this up because the market is different because interest rates are different 
And so some of these strategies that you might read about, and they might have, you know, let's say there's an article in the mid-2000s when rates were much higher, talking about covered calls or doing these collars. Um, it's, it's just a little different now because interest rates so low affect what the value or the premium of calls are. So this is a little known Greek. Nobody really ever talks about it. And quite frankly, on, on shorter dated options, it really doesn't uh, have as much of an effect because interest rates, let's face it, don't change that quickly. And you know, if you've got a two-week option, uh, how much interest would that actually you know, mean, right? But I bring this up because uh, you know, sometimes you just have to understand what, what's going on under the surface of the market, and interest rates play a part in that. Okay, so a couple things here. Number one is, uh, look, interest, uh, you know, selling covered calls is not a, I would say, a prime hedging tool. All a covered call is going to do is reduce the downside by whatever the premium you bring in. So if you brought in a dollar and your stock is fifty dollars, uh, well, if you if it goes down to forty nine, at that point, you know, since you brought in the dollar, you wouldn't feel that dollar loss. But that's all it does. If it goes down, fifty dollar stock goes down to twenty five. Well, instead of having 25 points of loss, let's say on 100 shares at 2,500, you would only experience 24 points because you brought in the dollar or $2,400. You can kind of see it doesn't really uh, materially manage or hedge the downside. The other thing the cover calls do is they do cap the upside. And so if you've got a situation where you've sold a covered call and all of a sudden the stock really runs up, it, it can be you know, a little bit deflating because you're missing out on the upside. I'm sure there are management, there's techniques, uh, but I think covered call management and the idea of rolling or closing or uh, changing expirations, uh, believe it or not, is is a little more involved than than people think. And then finally, I would say is if you're really interested in, in more um, optimal hedging, um, that's when you take a look at how we set up uh, buffers where we buffer the downside. You don't experience on the equity side the first anywhere from you know uh, even even the first twenty five percent or the first ten percent those types of things. Or the other thing is something like a, a buy and hedge methodology where uh, go ahead and get long in the market, but then we build a floor using options uh, strategically. Uh, so there's a, a limit or a floor put in. Uh, below which you wouldn't experience any losses on the equity side. So to me, those are more robust. Covered calls are an interesting tool, one of many. It's one that we use, uh, but a lot more thought and, and uh, discussion has to go into it. So uh, next time you hear or you, you read a, something online or somebody posts a, a video that says, how to hedge all your downside with covered calls, uh, now you know a little bit more. And now you understand a little bit about how interest rates actually play a big role in the premiums or how expensive or how cheap a premium is. So with that, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Hope you have a good week. And as I always say, you know, please share this with somebody uh, rather than wasting time writing and reviewing and starring and liking whatever it is. Uh, just go ahead if, uh, and share this with, with somebody, pass them the link. And, and especially if they've never really listened to a podcast, a lot of good stuff out there now, and it's pretty easy to... Uh, to access content. All right, folks, 
we will wrap up for now and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.